I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, having thoughts of suicide, or just needs to talk, call 988. 988 provides 24-7 direct connection to free, confidential, and compassionate support in your phone's local area code. When you call 988 in Santa Clara County, You'll talk with trained crisis counselors who will support you and connect you to local resources if needed. You are not alone in crisis. There is hope. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain to me. I'm no, not you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who we have tonight? Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. One of the fascinating things about doing this podcast is that it gives me the opportunity to go through the entire list of the predators I've caught. As you can imagine, that number, which is now, gosh, I guess between 450 and 500, it's difficult to remember each and every one. Of course, there are the predators who have become iconic, who stick out, the Jeff Sokols, the rabbi, the naked guys, But there are others who provide a very interesting insight into the mind of someone who gets online, chats with a person who is unmistakably posing as a child, has a sexually charged conversation, and then travels, sometimes hours, to meet that child for sex. This month, this very month, as I record this podcast, will mark 18 years since the very first predator investigation in Bethpage, Long Island. We just completed our latest investigation a matter of weeks ago, and guys are still showing up. Sure, the technology is different. The way we do it is a bit different. 
But essentially, it's the same crime being committed by the same sort of guys. And that's one of the interesting things I think about going back and taking a look at these cases, because not only do we get a sense of why these guys do it, although I'll never be satisfied with any of the answers, but we also find out where these guys are today. And that is why in this episode, we're going to examine the case of Nick Kokos. Kokos was one of 51 men who showed up in our investigation in Riverside County, California. Now, if you'll recall, Riverside was our third investigation, but the first one in which we collaborated with law enforcement, in this case, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. We had a house in a middle to upper middle class subdivision in Riverside County. And we worked with the Riverside County Sheriff's Department at that time, Sergeant Chad Bianco, who is now the sheriff of Riverside County, very professional group. And we sort of had to figure it out as we went along. Now, granted, Perverted Justice, the online watchdog group, had several meetings with the Sheriff's Department. The Sheriff's Department actually reached out to us because it realized it had a problem with predators online. And there were some cases that alarmed them. And they wanted to be proactive. So they reached out to our team and to Perverted Justice. And we had a series of meetings and we decided it was the right thing to do, to collaborate with law enforcement. Because in the first two investigations, we had these guys show up after the illicit chats. I would confront them and they'd leave. They'd walk down the street, twirling their umbrellas, facing no consequences, at least at first. Ultimately, some of the predators in Bethpage and in our second investigation outside Washington, D.C., were in fact prosecuted, the rabbi being one of them and many others. But it was unsatisfying and not really socially responsible at that point to do another investigation without collaborating with law enforcement. And that's what we've done ever since. I get the question all the time as to why I don't collaborate with some of the internet predator catchers. There have been some high-profile cases recently. Uh, a couple of internet media executives have surfaced. And I just don't think it's the right thing to do. I watch some of them just to get a sense of what they do. It's always obviously good to create awareness and a dialogue when it comes to online safety. But it makes me crazy going forward to do an investigation without law enforcement involved. And law enforcement, by the way, is not keen on these vigilante groups. And when you watch and listen, the result might be justice in some ways, but it's amateurish. And some people will criticize me for saying that, but it is, and it's risky. And before too long, someone will get hurt. But that's a subject for a different day. Right now, let's dig into the case of Nick Kokos. He didn't get a lot of attention out of the 51 guys we exposed in Riverside, California. At the time, there was a teacher. There were people in the film industry. There were some real characters, guys who walked and took buses. 
you know, days and days to get there to meet a child. Cocos went online with the screen name Whittier Wanna Do. Whittier, California was where he lived at the time. Nick was 25 years old, told me he worked at a McDonald's and went to school. He went into a chat room and started a conversation with a 12-year-old girl, Beth. Her screen name was Bubble Beth, as in Bubble Bath, get it? And the conversation gets illicit pretty quickly. There is some grooming, chat about when your parents are going to be gone, in this case, the girl's mom. And then pretty quickly, it goes like this. What do you want to do? Have you had sex yet? No, not yet. But I'm only 12, LOL, smiley face. Cool, Nick says. Then he asks, have you done anything with a guy before? She says, just kiss it. Cool. Do you like kissing? Yeah, it's fun to do. I love to kiss, he says. Cool, K-E-W-L. Then here, have a kiss, she says. Thanks. To you too. Would you kiss me? If you come over, I will. You just have to give me a time and an address and I'll come. Now, right away, the girl, the decoy, tells Nick that she's 12. It's clear. So there's no question. And he'll try to lie his way out of it later, as you'll hear. What are you doing today? Just hanging in the house. Can you come out, he asks. And this is just literally minutes into the conversation. Not right now. Mom's not gone yet. When will she leave? He's hungry. Cool. Will you be home alone? Yep. Get to watch movies and get some pizza, she says. Cool. Can I come? Why you want to come over? We can watch movies together, he says. You don't want me to come? No, I just want to know why you want to come over. Again. So what time should I come over? He's very insistent. Talks about that Friday. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's boring at my house. Really nothing to do. He says we can watch some movies, eat pizza, and play some games or whatever. Yeah, I think the two have a different idea as to what games to play. Yeah, but you're older. That's probably boring to you. We'll make it fun, he says. Don't worry, I won't be bored. So what time on Friday? And this is one of the things that is so disturbing, among many others, about this chat. He's 25, right? And he wants to visit a lone 12-year-old girl on a Friday night. And he's doing just about everything he can to railroad his way to the door. And this is not just my observation. It's also the observation of the actual perverted justice decoy who is having this chat. And one of the worrisome things about guys like this is they're smart enough to not graphically explain the sexual things they want to do beforehand. They're very nuanced in the grooming. And that's what Nick Kokos is doing here. There's more talk about his visit and what she's going to wear. I don't know. Not sure I got one thing to wear, LOL. You don't have to dress fancy. Just comfortable. Like sweatpants, she says. Sure. Are you going to bring some movies to watch? Yeah. What kind of movies do you like? She says, I like Titanic. It was so romantic. I like scary movies too, she says, but I never watch them alone. Oh, don't worry, says Nick. I'll be there to snuggle. And then right back into sex. He gets into the subject by talking about the movie 40-Year-Old Virgin, which was very popular at the time. Bubble Beth says, 
LOL, I heard that was funny, but I got a question. We can watch that, he says. The girl asks, what's a virgin, though? Would you want to do a person that hasn't had sex yet? Oh, LOL. 40 years old and ain't had sex. That's funny, she says. This goes on for hours and hours back and forth. And it's almost like he's negotiating, but he mostly wants to make sure that her mom is not going to be home when he shows up. He asks about dogs and there's some concern about neighbors seeing him and Bubble Beth says you could just come in through the back door, which he does. And if you'll remember in Riverside, we had the house set up so the predator would arrive, park the car, and then walk up a sidewalk on the side of the house to the rear patio and come in through the patio door, the sliding glass door, where we had the infamous red curtain set up so the guy wouldn't be able to see what's inside. It's a pretty quick conversation. And here he comes, sneaking through the door, 25-year-old Nick Cocos. Now, it's interesting because, remember, 51 guys showed up in three days. And there were a few times when we were scrambling. I was scrambling. I was trying to get the right transcripts in front of me. And this was one of those occasions with Nick Cocos. So he comes in, and for some reason, I thought he was either someone else or I thought that he was there for a 13-year-old girl. And in the initial conversation I have with him, I'm questioning him about a 13-year-old girl. And it isn't until two or three minutes into the interrogation that Del Harvey of Perverted Justice runs out and just barely off camera slides me the actual transcripts of the Nick Coco's conversation with the decoy. So now I know that it's not a 13-year-old girl, it's actually a 12-year-old girl. Both bad, but for some reason, it's even worse. I, I mean, it's all horrible, but I then change my line of questioning so it accurately reflects the transcripts. Take a listen as Nick walks in. You bet. Is Beth here? He's wandering around the kitchen area wearing this goofy Donald Duck t-shirt. And I don't know whether he thought that was cool or whether he thought it might appeal to a child, but that's what he was wearing. And he's a big guy. And he's a little bit rangy. He asks, as you heard, is Beth here? And it looks like he's about to bolt. So I come out and I said, how about Chris? Meaning me. And I suggest that he take a seat, which he does. And we start the interrogation. That's right. He's going to tell me after he sets down his bag of Mike's Hard Lemonade that he brought for a 12-year-old girl that his name is Chris. And I'm a little bit confused. I said, no, I'm Chris. He said, well, I'm Chris too. Now, Mike's Hard Lemonade took on a whole iconic image in the Predator investigations because for whatever reason at the time was a drink that young people liked. Not necessarily underage, but young people. And the decoys from Perverted Justice would talk about Mike's Hard Lemonade or Smirnoff Ice as something an underage person would want to drink. So much so, and it became so attached to the show, to the investigations, that it became a bit of a joke that Mike's Hard Lemonade was the official drink of To Catch a Predator. 
And the folks at Mike's Hard Lemonade obviously picked up on this and actually sent a letter. The attorneys for Mike's Hard Lemonade sent a letter to the attorneys at NBC asking us not to use the name Mike's Hard Lemonade in our investigations. And a friend of mine at the time worked for the big company that owned Smirnoff and Smirnoff Ice. And he joked in an executive level meeting that because he knew Chris Hansen, <laughs> the predator investigations used Mike's Hard Lemonade and not Smirnoff Ice, which wasn't true, but it made for a funny joke in the, uh, in the executive meeting at Diageo. Is Beth here? How about Chris instead of Chris? I don't know if you have a seat. Sure. What you got there? Some mics? Mike's Hard Lemonade. Yeah. And uh, who do we have here? Chris. Chris. Who are you? Chris. You are Chris. And who are you here to see? I'm going to see Beth. Beth. Right. Please have a seat, Chris. How old are you, Chris? Me? Yeah, 18. 18. Mm-hmm. Just 18. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, and again, you may not have seen this because he only had a very short appearance in that actual story, in that show. Nick Kokos is smiling. He thinks he's convinced me that his name is Chris. And he tells me, as you just heard, that he's 18. 18. Now, actually, he's 25. But he says he's 18. And the girl he's there to visit, Beth, is 17. Well, there's only a year's difference in age. What could go wrong here? And he thinks he's just about to get away with this. Not so fast. And how old is Beth? Uh, 17. What did she say to you in the chat? Uh, to come over. No, about her age. 17. See, I have seen the chat. So you might as well just go ahead and tell me. That's not what she said. What she said? about 13. 13? 13? Well, it's going to get worse because I'm sort of bluffing at this stage because I don't have the actual transcript in front of me. 13, he says. Like, this is some shocking surprise. What was your plan? Huh? What was your plan today? Nothing. Just to hang out. Just to hang out? Mm-hmm. Hang out on a Sunday, drink some like chard lemonade mm-hmm. with a 13-year-old girl. Well, I didn't know if she was that. Well, she said it. It's on a pro. I didn't see her profile. I didn't see her profile. I was just chatting with her. Well, he did see the profile. And if you'll recall in the chat, he asks about older guys. So you were just going to go hang out with a 13-year-old girl? Well, I didn't know she was that age. I know, but she said she was. She didn't tell me. She told me she was 17. That's not true. She told me she was 17. He tries again. Now, in just a minute here, if you could see the wide shot, Dell is going to slide in with the actual transcripts. And it's almost as if I begin the interrogation all over again. It's just not true. And I think you know. I'm sorry about that. Sorry for what? For just making the wrong decision, I guess. Sorry for making the wrong decision, I guess. That decision is going to look even more wrong in just a second here. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. His facial expression as I get the actual transcripts is one of, uh uh-oh, 
now he really has the evidence. His whole demeanor changes. And you heard there just before I got the transcripts that he was sorry and that he did something quote unquote sporadic. But now I've got a little more evidence with which to question him. His heart rate and his blood pressure are now rising and his mind is spinning as he tries to figure out how to get out of this. He thought he had me when he said he was 18 and his name was Chris, but little by little we're peeling away his story and are about to get to the truth. Beth says I'm 12. You say cool. Do you like older guys? You say you're 25. Earlier you told me 18, which is it, 18 or 25? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know what to expect. I was just trying to hang out. I don't know. And you're not uh, Chris, are you? What's your real name? Nick. Nick. And what's your last name, Nick? Carlos. And who are you? That's right. Now he wants to know who I am. And I use my standard line. I'll get to that in just a minute. Now I'm thumbing through the transcripts at this point, and they're not that long, so I can get to the gist of it pretty quickly. He turns away, and his body language is clearly of somebody who knows they're in for something. He just doesn't know what it is yet. He doesn't know whether I'm the cop, the mad dad, but I don't think he understands at this point that he's part of a television investigation. And remember, all of this up until this point is caught on hidden cameras. So he hasn't seen any cameras or microphones yet. It was not the most sexually explicit conversation I've seen in a predator investigation, not even close. But again, a 25-year-old man brings Mike's Hard Lemonade to the home of a 12-year-old girl. And what do you think's gonna happen? Now he's laid the groundwork. And certainly there was enough to convict him on this. And we'll get to that in a minute. But he's laid the groundwork for his afternoon of fun, in his mind fun, in reality rape of a 12-year-old girl. And if there's any doubt, he makes it very specific here. Have you ever touched a guy down there? I'm going to confront him with this. He specifically says, have you ever touched a guy's penis before? Have you ever touched a guy before? Yeah, on the arm. I mean, down there, down where? Have you ever touched a penis before? Hang on, I was just chatting with him. Just chatting? Well, first of all, you lied to me when you came in. You gave me the wrong name. You said you didn't know that Beth was 12. You said you, she, you thought that she was 17. And now you're saying you weren't going to have sex with her after all this talk on you. Don't talk. Don't talk. How often do you come visit somebody like this? This is my first time ever doing that. All talk and his very first time ever doing it. I just don't believe it. And we're going to find out here in a minute that this wasn't Nick's only criminal activity. He acknowledges that it would be unlikely this would be his first time trying to meet a child for sex. I understand, he says. What would have happened then if I wasn't here? Nothing. I wouldn't have done anything because I knew what age she was. But that's not. I I know what I know. 
it sounds like, you know, something was going to happen or I wanted something to happen, but I didn't. But what other conclusion are you? I know, I know. I mean, you're I, here. I understand. I understand your point. What should happen? I don't know. When confronted with the totality of the chats and the situation, he finally breaks down and says, yeah, it was wrong. And as you heard, I asked him what should happen to him. And he said, I don't know. I just won't do it anymore. Like that's going to get him off the hook. Well, there's something you need to know. Because I'm Chris Hansen with Dateline NBC. We're doing a story on people trying to hook up with young teens on the internet. If there's anything else you'd like to tell us, we'd like to hear it. If not, you're obviously free to walk out the door. Nice. Don't try it. <laughs> now, he actually smiles and laughs here. Don't try it. It's like he got punked in some sort of a reality show. And... He's going to get his few minutes of fame and walk out of there. Maybe get some sort of a prize. He's going to get a prize, all right. He's going to get handcuffed by the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. And this, this is shocking to me. I give him a chance to explain what the lesson is here, right? To explain that it's wrong to have sex with a 12-year-old girl, a 6th or 7th grader to explain why he was wrong for chatting with her in the first place, to explain why it's wrong to bring alcohol to ply a minor, all of that. And all he has to do is say, I was wrong, I need help, just tell the truth. Now it's not gonna get him out of trouble, but it would at least indicate to me that he understood the gravity of the situation. And what does he say? He doesn't say that he's sorry for potentially damaging the life of a child, victimizing a child, altering the course of that child's life forever, potentially being that child's first sexual experience. He says the lesson here, and you'll hear it in a second. He says the lesson here is be careful because the girl you think you're chatting with might be me or the police. Listen to this, it's unbelievable. So that's the lesson, somebody might be lying to you as opposed to not trying to hook up with a 12-year-old girl? Sometimes they might be someone else, like you or anyone else that might be lying. Nick, I think you missed the lesson. The lesson you're trying to give is that, be careful who you're talking to, it might not be the 12-year-old girl exactly. you want to hook up with. Exactly, exactly. How be, about, maybe the lesson should be, try not to hook up with a 12-year-old girl. Or that too. Or that too. So I give him like three chances to clarify. And it's not till the very end that he even tips his head to the fact that maybe it's just plain wrong, legally, morally, just wrong. No, he says, oh, that too. And off he goes. He actually grabs the Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's in a plastic bag, like from a grocery store or a convenience store. Lifts the curtain, slides the curtain, and ducks out the back door. One of the reasons we had that curtain there is because the sun would come in and it would backlight the room and make it a difficult shot to capture. And also we wanted, as I mentioned before, the privacy before the predator actually walked in. So here's the other fascinating part of the Nick Coco story. He's arrested by the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. And it turns out that 
when he was arrested on that Sunday afternoon, late morning afternoon, he was actually out on bail, Nick Kokos was, for working with a fraudulent credit card ring and being in possession of an automatic weapon when he was arrested at the sting for the credit card fraud situation. He got a year in prison for that and then a year and a half in prison for the charges associated with the predator investigation, the lewd and lascivious acts with the child under 14. So he does two and a half years, two and a half to three years, and he's got to go on probation and he's got to be on the sex offender registry for life, forever. He gets out of prison, Nick does, and moves to Nevada, where as far as we can tell, he resides today. We don't think that he has been in any other legal trouble, and we gave it a good look because when a guy gets dusted up for a credit card fraud ring and for an automatic weapon and then shows up in one of our sting operations, even though he goes to prison, one could maybe think that he could get into trouble again. But there is no indication that he has. But here's what he has been up to since we found him. He got rid of the Whittier Want to Do online profile and by all indications had another profile called NC702, E-N-C-E-E-702, NC Nick Cocos, spelled out with letters. 702, the area code in Nevada, near Las Vegas or Henderson. When people who follow all the predators and the predator investigations searched NC702, it brings up a plenty of fish profile, a dating profile, and some others. And a very poorly recorded video that he uploaded to a porn site where Nick is receiving oral sex. Now, predator followers figured out that this was out there. And there was a lot of chat and a lot of trading of this video. And I've never seen it, nor do I care to, but I know firsthand people who have. So once this all gets out there in the internet world, Nick changes his name legally to Ryan Davis. So this guy who's originally from Queens, New York, who moved out to California and now lives in Nevada, his name is Ryan Davis. And he still has to be registered as a sex offender, and is, he's in compliance, under this new name, Ryan Davis. Interestingly, another predator, Jeff Sokol, tried to change his name. And I talked about this a few weeks ago in the episode on Jeff Sokol. He tried to change his name. And not only did he try to change it, Jeff did, but he wanted to petition the court to keep the whole change secret. And the judge in that case, now remember Jeff was busted with the pizza, the pizza guy, Predator, in Fairfield, Connecticut, about six, six years ago, five, six years ago. And the judge denied the request, both to change his name and to keep the hearing sealed, private. So Jeff Sokol is still Jeff Sokol, but Nick Kokos is now Ryan Davis. As I mentioned, there is absolutely no indication that Nick has gotten into trouble again. In fact, it appears that he is working for a company that sells 
wholesale items, modern lifestyle brands of jewelry and home decor that are involved in meditation, karma, and luck. Now, Nick's karma and luck weren't that great back in January of 2006. It appears things have improved for him. I reached out to some phone numbers I was able to find for Nick, now Ryan, and have so far been unable to reach him. But if he hears this, he, like you, can reach out to me at chris at predatorpodcast.com. As you know, I like to hear from you. And everybody's just been superb at sending questions in. And this week's question is from Matt in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hey there, Chris. It's Matt calling in from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm actually uh, on the road right now, so I, I just finished listening to one of your podcasts, so I thought I'd uh, drop you a listener question. One thing that occurred to me while listening to your most recent predator that you've caught is, you know, you've caught so many at this point. Do you sort of have an idea how the interview is going to go, how the predator is going to respond when you see them interacting with the decoy? In other words, after, you know, a minute, minute and a half of seeing them talk with the decoy and make small, nervous, small chat, uh, do you say, well, you know, I, I think this guy's probably going to, as you often say, fall on his sword, admit he was wrong, apologize. And then on the flip side, do you sort of see them, you know, on the monitor from the other room and say, you know, I have an inkling that this guy is going to feed me some lines, make up some erroneous stories, you know, really just try to minimize what he did. So I, I was wondering if, you know, you've been doing this for so long that you are able to really sort of pinpoint with accuracy how you feel the interview is going to go before you actually go out there and surprise the, uh, the predator themselves. One of the things I really, really look forward to on each podcast is, you know, what they're up to now. Uh, have they absconded? Have they reoffended, Or have they just sort of laid low? So thanks for um, putting content out there and keeping us entertained and engaged. Thank you, Matt. And thanks for taking time out of your drive to check in. That's a great question because there are cases where I have a roadmap. As you just heard, Nick Kokos was not one of them. I didn't even have the transcripts in front of me when he first walked in the door. So we had to work our way through it and ultimately kind of change up a little bit in the line of questioning to get to the truth. But yes, in, in some of these cases, Lauren Armstrong, for instance, there are volumes of transcripts. I mean, Lauren Armstrong's chats were about as thick as a phone book, literally. And that poses both a challenge and a great opportunity because there's so much there to work with, but it's hard to get through it all. And you have to figure out, you know, is this just more of the same or is there something new and important there? And, you know, obviously in these cases, I've got a producer and some help there to, to go through it with me, but it is a bit of a challenge. But when I watch 
the interaction, in the cases where we actually have interaction between the on-site decoy and the predator, it does give me a great opportunity, Matt, to sort of diagram how the interview is going to go. It also gives me the opportunity to ask a question where I already know the answer. And based upon that, I can see where the predator goes and then I can draw out from him because I'll let him tell the lie as long as he wants to tell it. The more details, true or false, the predator wants to provide, the better the interview is. And ultimately, the more ammunition I have to get to the truth and to get inside this guy's mind and to understand why that person is there, which creates awareness and dialogue that hopefully, hopefully prevents other children from becoming victims. And, and not just children, we see all these cases now. The Tinder Swindler, for instance, the series that's out now. And so many of these sweetheart swindles, uh, and we're working on some of them as stories as well, where people are taken advantage of online. And so I think the more awareness out there, the better off we all are. And we will continue not only this podcast, but our predator investigations and all the other investigations. And until next time, you know that you can reach me right here at chris at predatorpodcast.com. You can also watch me on Discovery Plus, some new television shows coming out on a few other networks. And as always, I'm on Cameo. Stay safe, stay healthy. I'll be watching and listening.